0: You are listening to the Twibley Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year, a comedy podcast looking back at this week in history. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Podbean, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. If you want to follow us on social medias or message us with some suggestions for Worst Ever segments, you can do that over on Facebook or Instagram using T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Hey, welcome back to Twibley, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L with me. Though his mind is not for rent, don't put him down as arrogant. <laughs> it's Mr. Jeff McLaughlin.
1: Yes, that's me. I am uh I am Tom Sawyer. I want to paint the fence outside You're a my house.
0: day warrior with me mean pride.
1: Yes, today's Tom Sawyer have let you paint the fence for two dollars and fifty cents an hour. It's the other Tom oh, Sawyer. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> That's because you live in New That's Hampshire the, and minimum wages. Right,
1: like, so yes, we don't. Yes, our federal minimum wage is low. It's, it's the same as the federal. Um,
0: how's your week going there, Bill? Uh, fine. Uh, nothing's really <laughs> going on. We're in December, so yes. you know, September is done. It's been done. I mean, September lasted a long time. I had, uh, you know, we had the legendary haunt tour. Right. In uh, in the middle of November, and then I'm, you know people from my haunt got married the week after that. So yeah, haunt season just extended a long time. So now I'm bored and I hate myself. <laughs> oh, that sucks.
1: <laughs> well, you, you know you've got another like ten months to get ready for it to start up again.
0: I should probably start cleaning my house. my house. Gets so messy during haunt Does season, it? and then. I'm tired when haunt season's done, so that mess lasts a long time. Right. I'm 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 cleaning now. Yeah, good call. I'm getting there.
1: It's it's you know it's funny. I was thinking about this as uh as as you know you and I grow into our crotchety years is
0: maybe maybe you maybe
1: maybe me more so me I think than, than anyone else. But um, the, over the last year, I've done two like expensive things to my house that I never thought would be interesting at all in the entire life that I had up until the point where I did them. One is I, I had a new driveway put in because mine was. It looked like the moon landing.
0: Yep, I remember that. But
1: it was it was bad, right? It had a big moat at the end of it, crocodiles, ducks. It was a mess. And had that done. And then, you know, when you, you have a new driveway put in, they sell you seal coating like six or eight months later. And so I had mine seal coated this a uh, couple weekends back. I've never seen it done before yep. in any detail. Like, I watched the whole process. And they use this big, like, spray gun. And there's guys with brooms, and they're pouring stuff down. And it's like this rubberized tar that covers everything it looks really cool and they told me like just stay off until tomorrow maybe a day and a half and you should be all set and it's now been uh-huh. five days and my driveway is like the Lebrand tar pits it is still wet it is still <laughs> wet and i like i've driven through it i've walked in it and it's like god when is this stuff gonna dry and it's just i, I can't wait for it to, to be dry now the excitement of, of having a seal coated driveway Is with the excitement of eventually it will dry and I'll be able to walk on my driveway again and not leave footprints.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, next year my big adult uh, excitement is going to be I'm probably going to do all the windows in my house, which I mean that's not a cheap venture. No, that's like ten to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, but it's getting to the point now where none of the windows stay up on their own. Right. Like I put the air conditioner in the summer. And I have to have somebody help me because right. the window doesn't stay up as I slide the air conditioner right. out. But then I'm coming home from work and as I'm driving down the street, I'm looking, you know, at the window with the air conditioner in it. And now the top window has slid down. Right. So I got like a good like five <laughs> to six inches of just like empty space. Right. Like if a bird wanted to come into my house, he could. Yeah. Well, Plenty of I, room. Yeah. I
1: mean, they'll you know when you when you get the windows done, when you get the estimate, the salesperson is going to say like, "Don't worry, this is going to pay for itself and what you save in you know heating and cooling," which is true. No way if you if you live in your house uh, for the next two hundred and eighty seven years, right? Yeah, that's how it'll pay. And by then, you'll need
0: the windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because fifty thousand dollars to save you know, off your utility bills, no. I don't even think I've had $15,000 in utility bills since I moved <laughs> into the house. Like, ooh, my 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 gas bill is $7 lower per month.
1: Ooh, that's uh yeah. that's $54 uh that's, yeah. that's ooh, 80, you 80, 80, me. Yeah. $83 for the year. If only I live another 18,000 years I'll eventually pay off these windows.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh before we get into our show proper, I do have my very popular and always well-received trivia question. Hey, Jeff. Oh man, here we go again. I am suffering from an irrational fear, Jeff. Oh, boy. I have electorophobia. I am suffering from electorophobia, electorophobia. Jeff. Electorophobia. Yeah, what am I afraid of? Oh, my
1: gosh, I don't know. Electorophobia. That could be all kinds of yep. things. It's only one
0: specific thing. I know. All right, so this is going to be the week beginning December the 11th, and I believe it is your turn to start. It is indeed. So we begin December 11th, 2019.
1: The discovery of the earliest figurative artwork in the world, which is carbon dated to be forty three thousand nine hundred years old, are figures that are what (laughs) right are figures that are part human and part animal. They were found in a cave in Sulawesi, Indonesia, and the story of these figures being found was reported in the journal Nature. As soon as I as, As soon as I read this, all I could think of was I don't know what proto-human species would have been in Sulawesi, Indonesia, 43,900 years ago. But I'm sure the mom was saying to the kids, like, you need to pick those up. You need to pick those up and put (laughs) them in the rock. Put them by the rock or you're going to lose them. And then uh, 43,900 years later, we've moved the rock and we find the action figures from the things that live outside my cave collection.
0: Oh, see, I went in the other direction thinking because, like you said, it was half human, half animal, I was thinking like that mermaid there Uh that P.T. Barnum had there with the capucho monkey. So I'm just thinking like the ook version of (laughs) P.T. Barnum, like, you know, charging clamshells to come in and see his uh, his figurine, his 43,000-year-old figurine. That's so weird. Like, I mean, I know there wasn't really civilizations back then. So to have art and all that. I really like the if I had the means, and actually you can't go see them anymore because of health reasons and stuff like that. But I would have loved to have seen like the cave paintings yes. that they have in France and stuff like that. Yes, that that's very 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 interesting well, to me. A- so to see this figurine, I think that would be really cool I, too. I agree, and if it follows, so again,
1: forty three thousand nine hundred years ago is that's a really long time ago. And
0: I That's almost forty four thousand years ago, Jeff.
1: I, I'm a I'm a museum nerd. I spend a couple of days a year at least at the Museum of Fine Arts and they have a huge ancient civilization section in there. But that's only going back five thousand years. And the figurines that are carved there are generally like fertility oriented or they're representations of the Pharaoh and people in power that are used as part of burial rituals and other things. So I can only imagine yep. what a 43,900-year-old figure of half-person, half-animal would be like and what it would be used for.
0: Like you said, it's probably action (laughs) figures. (laughs)
1: Exactly. It says Kenner right on the bottom. Don't take
0: it (laughs) out of package. It, like, loses (laughs) its value. You ruin value if you open box. Also,
1: (laughs) I see by ear on that donkey person, it not original, is second casting.
0: (laughs) All right, moving on to December the 12th of 1980 the U.S. copyright law is amended to include computer programs. So up until 1980, it was kind of like the Wild Wild West with computer programs. But then again, up until 1980, computer programs weren't exactly blockbusters. No. And they weren't exactly commercial
1: products really either. I think there were some, like VisiCalc, that you could use on Apple II and some other software that was created by Apple to run on Apple II computers. But for the most part... The way you got a new computer program was you bought a magazine about computer programs that had it typed out in text and then you retyped it into your Sinclair or your TI 994A or whatever it was and then ran that 20, and, yeah, and then right? ran that program.
0: I mean if you think about it though, like computer programs that would also include Atari video games.
1: I think that's Wouldn't probably it? true. I wonder I wonder if the if video games were protected before 1980 because they were video games or if they fell into the same big bucket as computer programs. That's a great question.
0: You only had like 2 or 3K to work right. with on Atari video games, even less before that. So, think about like the very early video games of like Breakout. That was an Atari right. game. But I had a video game system put out by, like, Telstar or something, which I think that was Sears, right? Yes, Sears' brand was Telstar. And
1: they released a licensed version of the Atari 2600.
0: Right. But this is before that. This was, like, a standalone, and it had breakout on it. So I think at that point, computer games were kind of... uh, I don't know. I I can't really speak on it because I'm not a lawyer, but I think by 1980 that the video games... And computer games started to generate enough money where they were going to be, where they, something had to yeah, be done.
1: I probably agree that that's exactly what, what happened. And that was probably Atari's doing because by 1980, they were the largest entertainment company, I think, in the United States.
0: Right. And then that's when like Mattel started coming up with Intellivision. Right. Coleco, with Coleco. Coleco wasn't far behind. Yeah. So, yeah, they had to get those laws on the books. Pronto tanto before the world blew up, so to speak. Right. All right, moving on. on
1: December thirteenth, nineteen twenty five, an American actor named Dick Van Dyke is born. Dick Van Dyke, who is at the time of this recording, ninety-eight years old, is still yeah. performing.
0: Yeah, he's out there and he's kicking it. And it's he's not just like performing He's like they don't just like wheel him out there like Hannibal right, Lecter right, right. or like George Burns, you know, did in his last couple of years. No, he's out there dancing and, and high stepping. Just a, just a few years back, he was featured on—I want to say it was the
1: Academy Awards show where he came out and he did a segment of the dance that he had originally done in Mary Poppins, and he was like 92 when he did that. Right, right. And just as spry and flexible and on time and dynamic as he was. Back in the 19, early 1960s when that film was made. If it wasn't made in the 50s, I can't remember what year uh, Mary Poppins came out.
0: I remember them asking him like what the secret was, and he says he always takes the stairs.
1: Yeah, takes the stairs up and down, straight up and down, facing forward. He said he doesn't turn because that'll hurt your hip and it changes the way that you walk. So he only goes up and down the stairs the natural way. I think is the way he describes it, which I thought was really clever. I don't do that though. Well,
0: who, do you go up and down the stairs sideways? I
1: have been known to.
0: I no, I'm sure, I'm quite sure I would just like eat shit going down the stairs. That's a recipe for a short life yeah. for me if I
1: went down sideways. Well, I mean, sometimes I, you know, I'm dealing with like plantar fasciitis or like an outbreak of bunions or gout or something. And it makes it really hard to walk. So sometimes I have oh. to. You know, sort of, I don't want to say hobble my way down, but I have to, you know, I can't go straight up and down because my foot hurts and I'll, that's when I'll eat it. That's when I'll, that's when I'll go flying ass over tea kettle
0: down the steps. I think my biggest crime like that is sometimes I crawl, walk up the stairs. I've been known to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? With my hands on the stairs. Yeah. I'll go up the stairs like that. I don't go down the (laughs) stairs like that because that's animalistic. No, that was, they've they've done that to death in The Exorcist. (laughs) All right, moving on to December the 14th, 1977, the movie Saturday Night Fever premieres in New York City, and I have seen that movie at least twice. I know I saw it in the cinema, and I don't remember anything about the plot (laughs) of that movie. I know there's dancing, and I know John Travolta's in it.
1: it, That's funny, because I have the same memory of that film as you do. It's Everything has been just pushed away, other than the music. And I think it's because the music to that song became so popular and lasted so long and is still played so often on the radio that it just suffocated Uh the, the plot of the movie underneath the Bee Gees.
0: And you know what's funny is I know people that really love that movie and say that's an excellent movie. And I honestly can't remember... No, you know what? I do remember something in that movie. One... Donna Prisco, the actress who played Angie on the television series with one of our listeners, Robert Hayes. Uh, Anyway, Donna Prisco's in Saturday Night Fever, and I just remember one scene where there's a bunch of people like kind of like partying on, I'm going to guess, the Brooklyn Bridge, and one of them's dancing and f***ing around and just like dies. He falls off the bridge and dies. And... I was like, I don't know, eight years old watching this movie in the theater because it's a rated R movie, but it was so popular. They actually edited it down to be rated PG and they brought it back. Do you remember that? I do not. But I remember seeing, I
1: probably saw the PG version same as you did.
0: Yep. Yep. That's what I saw. But I remember being in the theater and watching this guy die off the bridge and I'm like, well, that's something to be showing children.
1: No. On the rare occasion, somebody says to me, when this movie comes up in conversation, it's like, oh, Saturday Night Fever. Like, quintessential movies of the 1970s or something.
0: And Mm -hmm. they
1: say, Saturday Night Fever. And I say, yeah. And they say, great movie. And I say, fantastic soundtrack. (laughs) And that's my out. (laughs) Killer soundtrack. All right, I'm out of here. Yeah, Barry Gibb.
0: The guy's amazing. And then, whoop oh look yeah.
1: there's hors d'oeuvres oh, nom, da, nom, nom. and I start eating
0: you know toast points or something not to overlook that the song more than a woman that's on that soundtrack is by a band called Tavares that's right. who is from our hometown of New Bedford Massachusetts yes, ladies and yes gentlemen yes they are Yeah. so you got Moby Dick and Tavares there Fred, you go. Frederick Douglass we got the the, tripl- the triplicate
1: so, oh, yeah, yeah. Herman Melville, Frederick Douglass and Tavares Huh? Uh, Top
0: that. That's right. Oh, and uh, Hedy, and Hetty Green.
1: Hedy Green. So look at that. it's like yeah. we've got the Mount Rushmore of weird, cool <laughs> stuff.
0: All right, and the the guy that wrote all the music for Sesame Street, but he was from Fall River, but we could borrow him. Right. So moving on to December the
1: fifteenth. What do we got? December fifteenth, eighteen thirty-two. Gustav Eiffel is born. Gustav Eiffel, of course, is the man whose name adjoins to the Eiffel Tower. He was a, an architect and an engineer, who apparently had uh-huh. a long love for cast iron.
0: <laughs> Super into cast iron. Super into what cast a weirdo. iron. weirdo!
1: And towers, and yep. proposed and then built the Eiffel Tower, and I can't remember if it was for a for like a world's fair, but it may very well have been.
0: And at uh, the time, there was a smaller version. There was like a trial version. Was there at first? <laughs> yeah, and then he was like, uh, "It's not the scale, of course." <laughs> Uh, You
1: see, this one is only about uh, four meters tall. Uh, Think of something approximately a hundred times as big. Yes. When it was first erected, as I understand it, the citizens of Paris, the Parisians themselves, were like, that thing is ugly as sin. Get it out of here. Oh, my God. I can't believe this monstrosity is in the middle of our city right near the Arc de Triomphe. And and, take it down. And now you can't even imagine what Paris would look like without that thing there. And it's it's an awesome piece of 19th century art that still has restaurants and stuff in it.
0: So a couple of things about it. One, because it's so big and because it's made out of cast iron like that, in the summertime, it actually grows several feet uh, because, you know, heat expands things. Right. And because of it's so big, it actually grows. I think it, I don't remember how much it grows. Let's just say it grows anywhere between two inches and two feet, but it grows a lot. Right. It grows a noticeable amount. Two, it is also the namesake of the only song by the Pixies I actually like. <laughs> yes, you and me both. That's the only one. And that song's about
1: the birth of Gustav Eiffel.
0: Yeah, it's like Alexander Eiffel is the name of the song, isn't yes. it? Uh, something?
1: It's Alex Eiffel, I think, is the Alex name of Eiffel, it. Alex Eiffel, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I remember playing so, that on the radio show and being like, yeah, all right. Yeah, this is cool. And then I bought a Pixie oh, CD and I was God. like, this is not anything I want to listen to.
0: I drove to Florida with a girlfriend and that was her favorite band. Oh, God. And every time it was her turn to drive, that's all she would listen to was the Pixies. And I would be like praying to any God that will listen that the Eiffel Tower song would come up because that's, like I said, <laughs> the only one I like. So you said that they hated it in France at yeah. the time? Yes. I could see them like, you need to take that down. You need to shut off the Pixies that they're the worse. <laughs> oh. Wait or, a minute.
1: <laughs> or be like, you know, the way I see that is if I was driving south with a girlfriend who only listened to the Pixies, I'd make it about an hour and 45 minutes into the drive and pull over and be like, one of us is getting out and I well, have the I'm keys. I'm single now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Good <laughs> luck. I'm sure there's a bus station around here someplace.
0: <laughs> one of us is driving home and both of us are single. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, it's
1: been fun going this far, but get out. I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> here, here's, your, <laughs>
0: this- here's your tape. <laughs> yep. This monkey's gone to heaven, and you can go straight to hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Or you do that. You do the old school, like,
0: Oh, I, you know what? I think the tire's loose. Can you get out and look while I just roll ahead a little bit? All right. So moving on to December the 16th of 1913, silent film star Charlie Chaplin begins his film career at Keystone wow. uh, for 100 $150 a week. Which, I'm Which sure, in 1913, in 1913, that's a lot of... Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of jingle, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of jingle. Keystone Studios was home of
1: the extremely popular and still occasionally referenced Keystone Cops, which was a yes. stunt-filled chase short films, comedy. Keystone also had Fatty Arbuckle and other... Uh, third rail. <laughs> other, well, I mean, at the time he was super popular uh, as a yep. film star. And then Chaplin started there too. I don't know, I want to say it was maybe like eight years later that Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford... And Douglas Fairbanks banded together and formed their own studio called United Artists and then started Uh to make their own films, produce their own films, and hire their own actors as a way to sort of help control how they were making money and what their schedules would be and what films they could be in, because all of that stuff uh. had been dictated to them by Max Sennett at Keystone Studios.
0: So that's actually kind of like the birth almost of what later would become the actors unions
1: sort of they were a lot more of a commercial studio than they were a union uh, but the fact that the three of them pooled their resources together to do that definitely has some ties to how unions form and what they can do sure
0: i don't know like a real lot about charlie chaplin uh, a, a different ex-girlfriend was super into that era of movies i mm-hmm. remember she was a big clara beau fan and we watched a couple of Charlie Chaplin movies together. They're great. I just know more about Mox Brothers and Abbott and Costello than I do about Charlie Chaplin.
1: He definitely straddled the changeover from silent film to talkies well and used sound in a limited way after sound had already become a thing that most films were using. And it was really, he, I yeah, did he have talkies? He did. So, Modern Times has a couple of scenes with with synchronized sound on the film strip itself. Okay. But not a lot. And then The Great right. Dictator is a sound film.
0: Okay. I was about to say, I remember seeing film of him talking, but it was Charlie Chaplin. It wasn't like The Little Tramp. Right. You so, know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't it was a film. It was actually him talking. Modern, and he was giving one, one of his political manifestos. Modern Times is a film. is a Charlie
1: Chaplin, Little Tramp film. And then yep. The Great Dictator is a film where he plays the Little Tramp character as a, a Jewish character in a Jewish ghetto who looks exactly like Adnoid Henkel, who is the dictator in a fictionalized Germany. And they both okay. they both look exactly the same. And it, that's a sound film all the way through.
0: Oh, I see. That one I've never seen.
1: It's super good. Totally worth yeah. a watch.
0: Yeah. To see him out of Little Tramp, he looks so different. You know, just like if you've ever seen 1930s Groucho Marx out of the Grease paint. Right. Looks very, very, very different. Yes. All right. And wrapping up the week. Oh, look. It's an Elvis.
1: But, go on. December 17th, 1977. Elvis Costello with the attractions make their first appearance on US TV, appearing on the showcase that would be where all of the avant-garde style or new or up-and-coming acts would really want to be on Saturday Night Live. It was also Elvis Costello and the attractions' last appearance on Saturday Night Live because they played a song that they were
0: told not to play. Yep. As I remember, the story goes, and I've seen the video of it, too, is they were slated... They wanted to play the song Radio Radio. And I'm not sure why Lauren Michaels didn't want them playing that song. I'm quite sure it's got some, like, controversial lyrics. And... Elvis Costello started playing one song, stopped it right in the middle and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, nobody wants to hear this. And then they broke into Radio Radio. Yes. And Lauren Michaels lost his ever-loving mind and said, you'll never play in this town again. And while they did play in that town
1: again, they never played on the stage at Saturday Night Live again. It's a great... If you can find the video on YouTube, it's a great video to to go watch.
0: You know, for somebody... As I want to say milk toast, but I don't want to say that in a negative connotation. Right. But Elvis Costello went on to do very prestigious kind of music, mm-hmm. like Grammy Worthy music and all that. But that moment, whenever he stopped and started up Radio Radio, is one of the most punk rock things you're ever gonna see. Yes. And he definitely comes out of that like
1: second wave of British punk, where it was drifting away from the Sex Pistols more so. Yeah, because it was getting radio play that wasn't the Sex Pistols, you know, like the right, Pretenders that, and like,
0: stuff. Yeah, it was that little soft area between punk and new wave. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I've always liked Elvis Costello. I I like all that early stuff like Radio Radio and all of his Army, which right. is yeah you know it's got kind, of, kind of a song you're not going to hear on the radio anymore
1: that, that's the um, that's the first song of his i ever heard and i i remember the video on mtv that was where yeah. i f- was first exposed to elvis costello was was that yeah, video for lyrically, that song you're
0: never going to hear that song on the radio again
1: probably and not and then
0: that song it was actually written by nick Lowe, mm-hmm. but made famous by elvis costello what's so funny about peace love and understanding right. what an amazing song yeah, that is! great tune All right, uh, before we get on to our worst uh, movie ever, uh, we do have our weird holiday for the week. December the 16th, Jeff, is Chocolate-Covered Anything Day. That is a wide, wide, wide brush to paint It's true. I spilled
1: chocolate on my counter last year for Chocolate-Covered Everything Day.
0: Celebration!
1: Celebration. I was was celebrating by yelling swears. It was awesome.
0: Uh, I'm pretty low-key with this. My grandmother... Her favorite candy, and she would always give us, was Raisinettes. Oh, yeah. So cho- chocolate-covered raisins are fantastic for me. Love chocolate-covered peanuts, chocolate-covered almonds. Um, yeah, Goobers. Ch- My friend Lauren and I, uh, we always go, like, we buy each other Goobers for, like, birthdays and stuff like that. Right, right. I like uh, chocolate-covered peanuts. I mean, uh,
1: chocolate-covered... That's goobers. And, yes, Goobers. And uh, chocolate-covered pretzels, especially... Those seem to be uh-huh. favorites of mine.
0: Yeah, ball rats ruined that one for me, but yeah, okay. <laughs> and chocolate covered coffee
1: beans. Whoa, those are good.
0: Oh, you know what? I remember that being like a thing when I like in the nineties. I remember somebody like going like, maybe it was you going, "Oh, chocolate covered coffee beans, you gotta have this." And I had one. I was like, "Nope, this isn't for me." Yeah. But if you like it, I'm good with that.
1: Yeah, chocolate covered espresso beans are good.
0: And chocolate covered ants I remember that being a thing I know I've <laughs> yeah. tried I've tried it I've tried chocolate covered ants have you um, a long long time ago I tried it and it's it tastes like chocolate covered nothing yeah because ants aren't uh, ants aren't exactly flavorful they don't have a lot of meat on them is what you're saying No you know where you are gonna see a lot of meat da, 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 da. The worst song ever all right Jeff tell us all about it.
1: today's worst song ever I'm going to put this out there early today's Mm -hmm. worst song ever is not the worst song ever for this particular band but it's endemic of the worst songs ever from this particular genre of music now we've talked in the past about the big tent that heavy metal fits underneath you know this is another corner of that tent so we're talking about the second single I think it's the second single from Winger's debut album winger called 17 which is a bloody kiss song
0: album came out 1988 i was around 18 18 19 or something like that yep and the lead single was a song called madeline and i kind of liked that song this was like that point in time where i just got my first real job and i actually had money Mm -hmm. so buying cassettes wasn't like a thing that like i had to save up a lot of money for i had it you know so
1: yeah disposable income i remember those old days (laughs)
0: <laughs> when I had I that, and they used to let us, and they, you know they still do to an extent, but they used to let us wear headphones at work. So you know I was always looking for new music to listen to, and a lot of us just used to trade cassettes and stuff like that. So I had bought right. Winger, you know Cardinal Mistake. They put the first single, Madeline, the song that I know, they put that right up right. front. And yeah, first song on yeah, the album. and I remember distinctly. Not liking any other song on this album, including Seventeen. Yeah, right. I just the 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 worst part about this album is the artwork. It's an atrocity. I can't. I still don't know what the freak it is.
1: <laughs> it's the artwork. It's the videos, and it's the songs. about yeah. Seventeen for right. me.
0: But anyway, they come out with this song. It's the second single, Seventeen. Uh, on Spotify, it eclipses everything else that Winger puts out. By a huge margin. Like, Winger, their monthly listens is only like 600,000, but 41 million listens to 17. Madeline doesn't even make the list. It's like 3
1: million. Nope. I'm going to say a lot of this is, again, like with anything else that you'd see on Spotify, this song gets worked into a million rock and roll playlists that people stream.
0: Yeah, but that's just showing that nobody's listening to this album because... Right. You know, first song three million, second song two million, and then third song forty is seventeen. So jump off point, point. and then everything else right. after that is like four, eight listens. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, almost nothing <laughs> com- comparatively
1: speaking. Yeah, it's that's not good. So I remember when Wingers started, or the first time I saw yep. them, I should say it was MTV because MTV was still the showcase for music. Yep that ultimately we would hear later on the radio but our first ex- my first exposure to winger was the 17 video yep. on MTV mm-hmm. and i thought wow this is a great new white snake song <laughs> i've never seen such a good warrant record this sounds great it's just like kicks i mean it's like the great white of great whites and it's undone because it sounds like everybody else that was putting out sure metal at this time as an adult male now in my these 50s i heard this song today and i thought one oh the guitar line in this song is fantastic two this is a kiss song (laughs) and i can imagine paul stanley singing it and three why was there so much hair metal about statutory rape
0: yeah like i was like 18 19 when this song came out so like girls that were 17 were kind of like basically on my radar you know? Right. So it's like, she's only 17. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Why don't you get off right. my ass? But <laughs> yes. Kip Winger, Kip Winger at the time, he was like 20, I did the math, he was like 27, 28 years old, which, all right, yeah. Kip, reel it in. She's 17. <laughs> and lyrically, you don't even have her father's consent. As a matter of fact, you have the opposite of your father's, father's consent. And lyrically, too,
1: the way that he structures the song is. Again, we think of the bad things, right? Everything bad that happens to this girl who goes to see Kip Winger happens because she makes it happen, because she comes on to him, Uh which is terrible. Yep, Terrible, terrible. But very much a 1980s uh, metal song for this type
0: of metal. Oh, yeah, and it's total like... He's into her because she's hot. He's not saying, we have so much in common. She likes the same movies I do. (laughs) Right. You just said your first exposure to Winger was with this video for Seventeen. But I am going to contest that because it is very possible that you saw... Kip Winger, long before this, as a matter of fact, you saw him in concert. Did I? Yes, you did. Because Kip Winger, before he broke out on his own in the band Winger, was the bass player for Alice Cooper on the Constrictor and Raise Your Fist and Yell Tours.
1: Oh, then I did see him live. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So, was wow, my that... very
0: first like real concert. Yeah. Remember he had that big muscular guitarist there, Kane Roberts? Yeah. Yeah, Kane Roberts, yeah. And then the bass player was pretty muscular himself, and that's Kip Winger. Yeah, Kip Winger. Oh,
1: well, props to Kip Winger for for being uh, the first bass player I I ever saw live.
0: And let me tell you, both of those albums are miles better than anything Winger did. So as far as I'm concerned, he did himself a huge disservice leaving Alice Cooper's band. Now, Kip Winger's career took a huge nosedive, and he blames it on Beavis and Butthead. So Beavis yes. and Butthead used to wear T-shirts. One said ACDC and the other said Metallica. Or I always forget which one had which. We had that as a trivia question, but I still don't remember. Mm-hmm. And they had like a little nerdy friend that lived in the neighborhood that like idolized them. Right. And he used to wear a shirt that says Winger. And they would always pick on him like he was a little nerd. And he was. He was characterized to be a little nerd. And he was wearing a Winger shirt. And Winger... You know, Kip Winger actually says that's what ruined his career. Let me tell you something, Kip Winger. I will tell you (laughs) flat out what ruined your career, your songwriting. It's an (laughs) atrocity. It is a freckle on this freaking, it is a pimple on the ass of the music industry.
1: I won't go that far. I will. Because, (laughs) yes, I can tell. Mm I won't go that far because as I was listening to this song and thinking back to all of the concerts that I went to in the 1980s, -hmm. I I was convinced that I had seen Winger live at some point, like around 1989 Mm -hmm. or 1990, with Whitesnake. The joke that we used to have between my brothers and I was that all of these bands were just called Winger Warrant Whitesnake. They were the W's, and it was every band that was like this. They didn't even have to have a W in their name, but yep. that was what they were referred to. As I was going through lists of concerts for Molly Crew and for White Snake, I realized that I never saw a Winger, but I did see White Snake and Kicks, which is almost Winger, yep. and then White Snake and Great White, which is also almost Winger. Great, great White Snake, yeah. I also saw like Molly Crew and Warrant, which is almost Winger. So I've seen all of the adjacent bands, but I've never seen this one.
0: It's like almost like the vegetarian option to different foods, like the Swedish meatballs yeah. that you have that are vegan, right? Yeah. So Winger puts out a second album, and for whatever reason, right around this time, everybody's second album was called Two. And yeah. then it had like another the subtitle to it. So like Danzig, it's legit to quit. Yeah, Danzig's second album was called Danzig Two Lucifuge, Um, yeah, Extreme. Their second album was called Extreme Two Pornography, and uh, this one Winger Two in the Heart of the Young. Which, by the way, horrible album title.
1: Well, that's it fits because it's a horrible album.
0: Yeah. They they let out with a single called "Easy Come Easy Go," which I'll "Easy Go." That was an easy go for me. I made it to the (laughs) halfway through the first chorus and I shut it off. And I'm looking at the album cover, and that freaking monstrosity that was on the first album cover is on this album cover too. Right? Like, did you pay a lot for that, Kip? Because you're, and you're trying to get your money's worth?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you've already paid for it once, you got to use it yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Do you think that looks good? Because it doesn't. Just like their first album, this album also has only three types of songs on it, just spread out. So there's the first type is the I'm sorry, baby, you did me wrong, or I did you wrong. It yep. switches main characters. That's the ballad for the female audience, yep. primarily. There's the We're a Rock and Roll Band and on Tour songs. Yep. There are three of those on both of these records, each. And then there's the... <laughs> I'm going to end up on a sex offender list of yeah. songs
0: the other that one is, are
1: on each of these. The
0: other one is the sound of my belt buckle hitting the floor, right?
1: <laughs> I have to report where I live to the police now.
0: <laughs> so, another thing that I remember about Winger was, I remember them being on MTV... And he was showing how he stays in shape. but he still he stays in shape by doing ballet, right? Yeah. And yeah. we're also talking like 1990, 1991, 1992. Beavis the Butthead came out in 1993, okay? What happened in that in-between time, Jeff? Oh, my gosh. Let me see if I can remember. Starts with an uh, N. End, ends with Irvana. It starts with an it start,
1: it N, an and it ends with a comet strike.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, bitch all you want, Kip Winger... It wasn't Beavis and Budhead that destroyed your career. Uh Kip Winger destroyed the the band. Kip Winger uh, the band Winger. And oddly enough, he broke out as a solo artist. Like you can yeah. tell the difference. You know. He
1: did and he also did a bunch of session work on the bass. Uh-huh. Here's my favorite part of this whole story. Yep. Okay. In like 2006, they got together again to do not a reunion tour but to record a song for their greatest hits record, which if you ask me is a cassette single
0: yeah
1: um with Seven. 17 on one side and 17 also on the yeah. other side so you don't have to it yeah yeah so you don't have to yeah well, i'd say 17 and 17 so you don't have to use the rewind button right um but they recorded a new song together and thought like oh you know man maybe we should do something with this they recorded a couple more albums yeah in and around the other projects that they were doing. They started to tour. They toured with a bunch of legacy acts as well. You know, I, I linked a video to you earlier today from last year, like yep. March of last year, where they were playing live. They're still super tight. It's all the original members of the band, minus one who was in there for a very short time in like 1992 to 1993. Right. They sound fantastic. They look older than me, yep. but they sound they sound exactly like they did when they were at their the height of their fame. Sure, for six weeks.
0: They uh they actually put out something very recently. Uh, an album called Seven came out this year, uh, 2023 came out in May. Uh, I've only right. heard the like the one song. It was bad. I didn't care for. it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to anything that they've done that's new. But I was I was excited to see that live video of them and see how good they were. It made me think like, oh, if I was ever gonna go see a Legacy concert, yeah. And they were one of the the bands on the roster i would want to stick around long enough to at least see them do this song
0: right and then you don't know any of the other songs because they're all garbage (laughs) yeah i'd be like all right we're done yeah oddly enough i think last year or two years ago when we were talking about the final countdown from europe and our worst song ever i had said i had seen a live version of it that it was like it's a good song it's good song live. It's a good live song and I'm sure 17 comes across very well, especially if they still all have all those
1: harmonies going for them, you know? They do. They do. And they they trade off the guitar work between the rhythm and lead mm-hmm. almost like Iron Maiden does. Like I was I was pleasantly surprised at how good it was.
0: Well, enjoy it. Well, I'll, I'll let you enjoy that. You can enjoy my <laughs> You can enjoy my half of that too. Okay. But before we wrap up the show for this week, I do have the answer to my always popular and very well received trivia question. Hey, Jeff!
1: Oh man!
0: Yes, I was hoping I you'd ha- forget
1: all about this, but nope. Here we oh, are again. Oh,
0: I didn't forget because it's terrifying me, Jeff. I'm scared half half out of my wits. Um, I am suffering from electorophobia. What am I afraid of? Are you Are you afraid to vote, Bill? No, it's not elect. It's alec. A l e k t O-R-O-phobia. Oh, my God. Hold on.
1: I might have to have you write this down for me so that I can look at it. Because the way you say it and the way you spell it are so different. My brain can't parse the two. A-L-A-K-T-R-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Electrophobia. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, which is exactly what I said.
1: No, it's not. You said electrophobia. Or electrophobia, which is why I thought I it was... electorophobia. M- electorophobia. That sounds like elector, like voting. So that's what I was thinking. Um. So, electric? geez. Is it
0: fear of electric eels? How about that? Wow. No, you were closer with voting. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, hey, you know, you're over there giving me a, a semantics argument, like like it made the, like it makes a difference. Like like you were, when we did the home run question, you're like, oh, are we talking major league? Or are we <laughs> right. you don't know? I'm you all all don't time. know. You're just. I'm stalling You're bluffing. That's right. You're bluffing. I'm hoping you bluff. What would you forget? Right, so anyway. Electorophobia is a fear of chickens, Jeff. Oh,
1: well, I guess you won't be having dinner at the KFC yeah.
0: because it comes from the Greek word "elector" for rooster.
1: Ah, uh. "elector" spelled with an "a."
0: Yeah, "elector."
1: <laughs> ah, yes, "elector." A, not I. O, not ow. "Elector." "Elector," yes. Very cool. That's a good word. I'll have to try and work that into my conversation with people now and again. I like. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't eat that. I have a lactophobia.
0: <laughs> All right, but that's gonna wrap up the show for this week. We'll see you back here in seven days. Say good night, Jeff.
1: Good night, Jeff. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Twibley, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Special thanks to James Coster for our theme music. You can find us and message us on Instagram and Facebook using twwbly. Make sure you spread the word and tell all your friends about the Twibley podcast. Dan Quayle never listened to Twibley, and look what happened to him.